Coming to you from Northern California. This is the Shots Fired Podcast. With your hosts, Sergeant Kyle Schoberg, retired police officer Mark Redlich, and Deputy Billy. We are America's leading law enforcement resource for training and tactics from experts in the industry. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Shots Fired Podcast. Super excited. We've had some awesome guests in here lately, and uh, we have another one tonight. Uh, we're here to introduce to you John Lightfoot. So John John has 24 years of service in law enforcement. You are getting ready to retire this year? I uh, haven't decided yet. Okay. I'm retirement age, but I haven't quite decided. Nice. All right. So before we get into that, um, John, do you want to give us a little bit of a breakdown of your bio and who you sure. are? and what you've done in your career? Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, worked for a, a pretty good sized department uh, here in Northern California. Uh, went through the department's academy in 1998, um, which was uh, an experience to say the least. I was uh, woefully unprepared. Um, <laughs> oh man! How old were you? Uh, How old I were you? was uh, 25 with two oh. kids. Okay. So. Um, and really kind of went in, uh, not eyes wide open at all, um, but uh, made it through. Um, so after graduating, uh, did field training and uh, then went solo and uh, worked a very busy sector uh, of the city for quite a while, which was fantastic because it, it uh, got me out there and exposed a lot of different stuff. Um, got to work around a lot of different people, uh, learn a lot of different things, uh, kind of just being new and cutting my teeth there. Uh, from there, um, I went to a problem oriented police team, um, in one of the, uh, most violent parts of the city. Um, again, that was a lot of fun. I had a great team there. Um, you know, just working on specifically focusing on like, uh, a central neighborhood and, uh, hopefully bringing some long-term uh, problem solving there. Uh, from there, uh, I was a field training officer for about a year. And um, the selection process was a lot different back then. Uh, like now you have to go through all kinds of tests and everything. And mine was literally, uh, I was walking down the hall of the station one day and the lieutenant goes, hey, you ever thought about being an FTO? And I was like, uh, not really, sir. And he's like, well, why don't you find a class <laughs> and sign up? <laughs> I was like, all right. Voluntold, yeah. yeah. That so, shoulder uh, tap, sort of like, hey, you're yeah, good at this. I, that's kind of how it was done back then. It was yeah. just like, um, you you're know, good, you're going to teach. Yeah. So, so did that for a little while. Um, but my dream, really, from the beginning, was to eventually get on the SWAT team. Um, was fortunate enough to work for a, an agency that that has a full time SWAT team. Uh, technically, two full time teams. Um, and so, after being an FTO for about a year. Um, several openings, uh, came up on the SWAT team and I was like, man, this is too early in my career, but there's several openings. It doesn't happen very often. Like I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring, see what happens. Uh, went in really not expecting to do well at all, which I think is probably why I did. Okay. Because I put zero pressure on myself. I was like, <laughs> there's, there's no way I'm getting this job. Uh, so I went in there and, and lo and behold, I got the job. Um, so 
ended up being on the SWAT team for about 10 years as an officer. Um, at that point, uh, decided to promote. Not sure why, honestly. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was quite Ditto. a change. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, took the test, uh, promoted um, for our department. You have to leave specialty positions when you get promoted. So went back to patrol. Uh, did a couple years in uh, well, about a year and a half in patrol um, with various patrol teams, and then went to a crime suppression team. Um, the crime suppression team was actually a lot of fun. Um, Something a little different for me, like writing warrants and and hunting down bad guys, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Um, was there for uh, a minute, and then uh, back to the SWAT team as a sergeant. Um, the way our team works is there's two sergeant positions and 14 officer positions, and so one of those sergeant positions came open. I was uh, again, I didn't anticipate going back, but I was kind of encouraged to at least uh, give it a look. Uh, so tested and, and got that spot and was a team leader for about five years. Um, and then once the body started breaking down and, uh, <laughs> just wouldn't carry the SWAT gear anymore. Uh, the, uh, a spot opened at the Academy, uh, for the Academy Sergeant. And I've been out there now for about two and a half years. Nice. And <clears throat> real quick, while you were on the SWAT team, what was uh-huh. your main role on the SWAT team? The sniper? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so originally um, everyone gets trained, um, you know, for entries and everything else. Yeah. Everyone's cross-trained. So I did that, um, was on the team about two years and a sniper position came open. So I thought, hey, that's the next greatest thing. Um, I've always been really goal-oriented. I needed, like, what's the next step kind of thing. And I was like, hey, sniper's it. So uh became a sniper, was a sniper for about eight years on the team. And then during that time is when you got into your, um, one of your officer involved shootings where you actually had to take a hostage shot as a sniper, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to get into that story. I'm, I'm excited to hear that story. I haven't heard it yet, but, um, I think we can agree. I mean, when I told Billy that he's like, that's pretty rare to ever yeah. to, to like meet a, a guy that's on the sniper team and, and being actually involved in a scenario where you had to take a, a hostage shot or a sniper shot. So we'll get into that story, um, later on in the show, but, um, so we have some icebreaker questions to ask you. All right. All right. So just a couple of them just to kind of get the, get the blood flowing here. But um, the, what? go ahead. You, this is a short one. What's your go-to mixed drink? Go-to mixed drink. If you uh, have a mixed drink, what's your go-to man, mixed I drink? Really, I really... Like an alcoholic drink? Yeah, I really don't do mixed drinks. Uh, yeah. Very. I like. I don't even know what most what's of them an, are. What's an, a non-alcoholic mixed drink? Sorry. Oh, I don't know. Like alcoholic one? Like Arnold Palmer? I mean, Arnold Palmer's drink. If you're asking, I actually the other night at work did have a half Red Bull, half orange juice. Super good. If you haven't tried it, try it. It's delicious. Where did you come up with Mixed Red Bull, orange juice. Some older cop that I worked with on Graveyards was like, dude, try it. I tried it. It was like really good. And he's got diabetes already. Probably. <laughs> All right, so take that. So All right. You don't have one, but now you do. Uh, yeah, I got to try the Red Bull and uh, orange try juice. It. Oh, pretty good. Jeez. Sounds fantastic. So um, what if he's a beer drinker, dude? Like what made you think he's a mixed drink kind of guy? Oh, it's just an icebreaker. And the whole point of this is to talk. Do you drink beer? <laughs> uh, I do drink beer occasionally. Well, what's your yeah. go-to beer? Uh, it, pretty much any kind of hazy IPA. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So we... So the beer that we brought you today was uh, not, not not up to par. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it's uh, not quite a. Hazy it did look idea. like you were disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Um. Okay. So, uh, what's your daily routine on your days off? 
so uh, I was actually, uh, so I have to call him Red because that's, I, I know him as Red uh, from the team. Uh, so I was actually telling Red earlier, I've been building an outdoor kitchen in my backyard. Oh, uh, no so kidding. that's consumed like every waking moment uh, of the weekends recently. Um, but I mean, you know, we, we like to camp uh, quite a bit. Um, the wife and, and we have two boys at home still. Um, so we like to take the camper out and, and go camping. We just recently went uh, up by Tahoe. Oh, nice. uh, for an extended weekend and so we like to just get out and hang out in nature and do a little hiking and fishing and uh and that kind of thing so nice well he showed us some pictures of the outdoor kitchen it was yeah. pretty impressive pretty thanks nice. i yeah, think that's you cool. may have sold yourself a side job when you're done you come <laughs> Man, to mind. i don't know if i'll ever do another one <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that, that's one of those projects you're like yeah it's cool in the end you're like never again yeah yeah, yeah no it's speaking it's, of tahoe like i every time we you know like i we get in conversation about Tahoe, like not on the show, but with friends or whatever. I always feel like we totally take it for granted that we live so oh, close to Tahoe because totally. there's people from around the world yeah. that travel here to go to Tahoe right. and it's like, it's right there for us. Right. And Yosemite is the same thing. I think yeah. I've been to Yosemite once and I grew up here in California. Yeah. And it's great. It's like what? Three hours yeah. from here for maybe four. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Not yeah. Four. Same thing. I don't think it's that far. Yeah. It's maybe pretty, it's but I'm just saying yeah. like, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm like, man, take we take we definitely take that for granted. Yeah. You're living right there on Lake Tahoe. Tahoe so it was like an hour. Yeah. Well, for you, especially. Yeah. 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 Not far at all. Um, segwaying into the next question, <clears throat> which we ask every guest on the show. <laughs> right. And that is, what you got? if you were to be arrested, <laughs> what do you think your friends would think you were arrested for? You know, so I, I saw, I actually saw this on one of the other podcasts and, um, cheated. Yeah, <laughs> I did cheat a little bit, but I, I will say, um, People had a hard time coming up with an answer, but yeah. they all agreed because we've had the conversation that they would definitely tack on a 148 charge because I would run. <laughs> I would run until I couldn't run anymore. Awesome. So uh, I don't know what the original uh, charge would be for, but you know, I, I have friends outside of law enforcement and they're like, man, why do people run from the cops? Like they always get caught. And I'm like, well, first they don't always get caught. And second, I'm like, <laughs> I would run. Like you're going to jail. What do yeah. you got to lose? Like yeah. I would run until I couldn't run anymore unless they brought a dog. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, nah, you're out. Good. And yeah. for those that don't know, 148 is resisting arrest. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's true. Right. For the yeah. most part. Yeah. 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 That's, That's funny because we've had people say it's sex in public, alcohol, <laughs> fighting, but running. I like yeah, it. Yeah, oh, Whatever it is, I'm running. I think yeah. I think I would add running to it yeah. no matter what, too. Yeah, like, I, think, I mean, yeah. like, especially in this area because how many times have you gone to court on 148? Oh, yeah. Never. I, mean, I don't, like, I don't know if they even file on it. Right. Yeah. Don't listen right. if you're a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> don't get any ideas. And if you are going to run, like, don't stop running. Like That is true. A perimeter can only be so big, right? Yeah. So keep yeah. going. Yeah. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, we right. should give a class on how to get out of a perimeter. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I know. Uh, All right, Mark, okay. you have some shout outs you want to yeah, give? Yeah, well, I think you have a lot of good, interesting stories. We'll get to that. But I want to give a few shout outs. Number one to Randy Van Dusen. He was yeah. here uh, two weeks ago on the podcast, heavy into running, and he was selected. Please watch the other video that we had. He was selected to run the Western States 100, which is a drawing. And he was the very last person to get drawn. He had ran it 10 years prior, had finished, and it had been 10-year anniversary. Uh, we went out and watched him come in at the fishing line in the morning, which was absolutely inspiring to watch these runners. It, he came in at 29 hours, 53 minutes, 35 seconds. So Randy was awake for job, almost, th yeah, yeah. almost 30 hours running. That's insane. Physically moving the entire time. Like it was, I got the chills. It was absolutely inspiring to watch these athletes come in, just yeah. what they can endure. 
And the, and and they only have, I don't know if you mentioned it, but they only have 30 hours to complete the race, correct? That's it. Yeah. That's it. So if you don't finish within the 30 hours, you don't count as completing the race. So, yeah. so he did finish, that's which crazy. was amazing. Billy, do you think you could do that? Oh, God, no. <laughs> how, how far do you think you would make it? Oh, like, I could probably do the Academy five mile right now. Like, I don't know if I could pass it, but, uh, I don't even know if I could do that. I could do five <laughs> miles. Just not the time. I could totally yeah. see Billy running no shirt, like his cutoff jean shorts that he has. And yeah. <clears throat> one of those like helmets with the beer cans, whatever, oh, with the straws, yeah. like Billy's running into the finish line. With, it's funny you say that. Sucking on beer. There was an athlete. He was in his fifties. He came running in just, uh, at 59 hours and like 30 minutes. He had Damn. a button-up shirt, like a Western button-up shirt, in tiny jean shorts. So I will find wow. the picture of that guy yeah. cruising in and actually had jean shorts. And my wife was like, wow. I think that's Billy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Running with jean shorts. Well, I don't run. So uh, yeah. I'm not really good. I, I'm at the age now where and it's, yeah. I just gave up for for too long, I think is what it is, that my body isn't conditioned for it. So it, it hurts like hell to run. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, Billy and I just went wake surfing the other day at the lake and he's complaining about his neck hurting from falling, waking up a little stiff neck. <laughs> Getting dude. close to that 40 mark. And you yeah, know, that's, yeah. that's when uh, you can start to complain about those. I think. Mm, yeah. Well, speaking of the lake and the sun, I want to thank Toro. They actually sent me some rad sunglasses and I broke these out for the first time and I wore them at the Western States 100 at the finish line. And it was really nice glasses and they are lifetime warranty super flexible and these are actually range glasses so the the lenses oh, are a little thicker that's cool so check out toro check out their instagram i'll post some pictures of me out there with it and then in here with it so toro thanks for sending us some uh or sending me some sunglasses we'll need a couple more yeah thanks thanks mark yeah <laughs> we'll get you some. toro will send some for you guys i know yeah no thank thanks for sending us those sunglasses that's that's awesome um and who else we got tac ops thank you tac ops for sponsoring these episodes yeah and our, ultimately our viewers and listeners yeah, make sure you guys go check out uh, SWATConference.org. Ton of conferences coming up. They have the Nashville, Tennessee one coming up here in August and uh, Washington, D.C. following that and some others. So go check them out, SWATConference.org. Um, thank you for your guys' uh, sponsor and um, everything you guys do for us. All right. You guys ready to jump in? Do you feel, sure. you feel comfortable? Sure, do this. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Let's so let's talk about... <laughs> We talked about a little bit of um, obviously things that you've done in your career. What 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 is your current assignment right now? Uh, currently, I am the academy sergeant, or referred to as the academy commander. Okay. Um, and uh, ironically enough, we do get a lot of listeners that ask us questions about you know, hey, what can I do to prepare for the academy? Um, you know, you know, things maybe to study for. And we've done some episodes on like giving our perspective of what we think you should study for, or how you should prepare right. for the academy. Um, maybe you can give us some insight on how some of these guys that are, or, and gals that are about to start, like, Hey, what can they do to prepare themselves? Um, I, I, I think it was Billy that mentioned it during an episode where it was like, don't front load yourself. Like, don't try to over-educate yourself with things because right. you're going to learn the basics in the yeah. Academy and you don't want to like overload yourself prior to, but, um, obviously being in good physical condition or health. Um, so a lot of PT and what are, maybe like we'll talk about like what are some of the things that you find um, that a lot of cadets fail out of the Academy for maybe some common mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a, first off, we have a pretty wide range. Um, this next class of starting has about 75 recruits and it'll be wow. from 21 different agencies. So 21. Yeah. That's 21 different agencies. So 
we get to see a, uh, what a lot of other agencies do um, and how they prepare their people or, or how they don't. Um, so first and foremost, the biggest reason we see people quitting and we'll get to failing out of stuff later, but the biggest reason people resign is because they don't have the proper mindset coming in. Um, and kind of like I came in, like not knowing what to expect. Um, they really don't know what to expect and then they're overwhelmed. Uh, and they just don't have the proper mindset of like, I'm going to get through this even if it kills me. Um, and that's the mindset you got to have. So first and foremost is that mindset of like, I know this is going to be difficult. I I tell them day one in, in the day one speech that this will be, uh, the most difficult thing they've done both physically, mentally, and emotionally, um, for the next six months, because that's what it takes to prepare them, uh, you know, to work the streets. And so, um, that mindset is, is paramount. Like if you, if you don't have the never quit mindset, Mm -hmm. as soon as it gets tough and you see a couple of your classmates bow out and resign, you're like, ah, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, and interestingly enough, we've actually talked to recruits that have done that, especially in the first week they've resigned and a, a good majority of them tell us that that's their, that was their biggest mistake that they should have, uh, at least prepare themselves mentally a little bit better to handle that, uh, especially the first couple of weeks, uh, and that they really regret resigning uh, after because in the moment they're making an emotional decision, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, for it's, sure. It's not an intelligent decision that they thought out. Um, so it, I would say that's that's number one. Number two is um, a lot of recruits get overwhelmed with the physical aspect of the academy as well. Uh, and so what we tell them for that is like, do everything you can to prepare yourself. But just like the, the studying will come later, all of the, the, the CrossFit style workouts, all of the, the weightlifting stuff will come later, get a good cardio base. If you're starting from somewhere where you're just not in great physical shape, build a good cardio base. Cause that's going to help you more than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. so run and run some more and run some more <laughs> and not to cut you off, but like, yeah. um, I, I thought I was in pretty good physical condition when I started the Academy and that was my Healy's, uh, my yeah. Healy's, Healy's keel, Healy's keel. Is that, what, is that the same? <laughs> Keely's heel. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that was like my kryptonite was running. I, I did not prepare myself to run. I didn't right. realize how much running was involved in the Academy. Yes. Holy shit. I, I, I dreaded it. Like that was terrible for me. So yeah, yeah. you said that. And I, I think that people, I do think underestimate how much you're probably going to run. They yes. worry more about yes. being well, physically fit. Right. Yeah. I would also say that, you know, like throughout, throughout your career, I th- think it's more important. You know, there's a lot of people that put a lot of weight into, you know, getting big and strong and everything like that. But to be like physically able to do the, go- the job, obviously that helps. But I think being, cardiovascular fit is, yeah. is way more important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we, we see like people that come into the Academy in pretty good shape, but have no cardio base mm-hmm. struggle just as much as everybody else. Yeah. Um, so the cardio base is the important part. That's the part that if you know anything about working out, that's the part that takes longer to build mm-hmm. like six months of workouts in the Academy 
uh, of CrossFit style workouts for the most part, you will gain the muscle, you will tone up, you will, I mean, all that stuff will happen naturally if you just participate. Yeah. Um, but the running, the running is really difficult for people. And so again, the first couple of weeks they get overwhelmed and they're like, I can't do this for six months. And, and that goes back to the mindset thing of, um, you know, the first few weeks are extremely difficult and it's, yeah. it's, it's run, um, you know, very in your face and, and the, the RTOs, the recruit training officers or RTOs, they're, they're in their, in the recruits face yelling and they're calling them on every little thing. And, and it costs them burpees or pushups or sit-ups or, or whatever it costs them. So in the moment they make that emotional decision of, I can't do this for six months, not mm-hmm. realizing because of the emotion that you don't have to do that for six months because you get better at the protocols and Mm. you get punished less, you uh, get in better shape and it becomes easier. Like all these things start to build. And by halfway through the Academy, they're like, ah, a smoke session, who cares? Let's go. Like at that point. So, but you have to get over that mental hurdle in the first few weeks of man, is this what it's going to be like for six months? Um, Yeah. I've been getting yelled at my whole life. So I think my first, (laughs) first I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, how many, how many you're doing people, it nicer. <laughs> you've been, you've been the Academy commander for a while. How many people have you seen come through the Academy? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I'm starting my, I, I got there halfway through a class and then, uh, I think I'm starting my sixth class if my math is right. Um, and there's about anywhere from 60 to 70 recruits that start. So several academy. hundred. Yeah. Wait, and what yeah. You, you're ending with what's the, uh, well, so it depends. Average, I mean, yeah, it, it depends. So we've actually been able to, um, so these days, right. Recruiting and retention is a lot more difficult than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And mm-hmm. when, when I went through the Academy in 98, like there were hundreds of people waiting for my seat and, yeah. oh, and yeah. it, it's like, here's the standard. If you don't meet the standard, there's a door. Like mm-hmm. we don't care. See you mm-hmm. later. We've got, yeah. we got people standing in line for your seat. It's not like that anymore. So the mentality has changed a little bit. Like the standard hasn't changed. The standard is still the standard, but if we can put a little more time and effort into people and if we can give them a few more reps and they can, they're capable of reaching that standard, then that's what we do. So we've been able to take the uh, attrition rate, which was, you know, historically around 25 to 30%. And it's down to about 12 to 13% now. So not bad. Yeah. So it's not terrible just by um, spending a little more time on the, yeah. Players. And, and that in re- what that looks like day to day is, um, you know, if somebody like, for instance, we started open ranges and that means if you have a qualification, uh, on a pistol rifle, shotgun, whatever it is on Monday, you can come in on Sunday for extra, mm. uh, four, extra four hours of training just to get some extra rounds downrange, just so you feel a little more comfortable going into your call on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the same thing with uh, the arrest control stuff. When they have arrest control finals, we say, hey, we're going to have an open mat. It's you, you volunteer your time. If you want to come in and get better, then you come in and, and put the reps in. And what we've seen is the vast majority of the class shows up for all those, and right. it's made them a lot more successful. Yeah, that was not available to no, us when we went no, to the academy. No. It was show up at this time. If right. you don't pass, you're out. Oh, right. Yeah. And and again, that's because that's yeah. they, they didn't, you know, that it was easy to yeah. hire people back then. Yeah. And people were standing in line for our job. And it's just not like that anymore. And yeah. so um, so we're trying to capture that small percentage of people that um, that are capable of getting to the standard. They just need a little extra, you know, a few more reps yeah. Uh, yeah. before they get there. So, yeah, my academy was like, 
10 paid and they were only with SAC PD. And then I think 40 or 50 were all recruit like yeah like non your own way non-affiliates yeah. Yeah. yeah and we do have some non-affiliates still so but, like, um, then they're like yeah make it or don't make it we right. don't care right. so you guys oh, do yeah. so you guys uh so so when we went through and obviously probably when you went through but we went through in 06 uh-huh. you had to you had to be affiliated with an agency so you had right. to be sponsored by an agency to go to Correct. your guys's academy which your guys's academy just to like paint the picture here is more very military holistic like um, versus a college setting. Right. It's pretty different, right? Like we've talked about that before, but um, (laughs) you were talking, I kept thinking of like stories of Mark in the Academy. (laughs) I Um, got some stories of red. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just like, Dude, just like he is today, we were talking about before the show, he's like, come on guys, let's record three (laughs) fucking podcasts a week. And And it's always like, dude, like calm down, like slow down. No, we're not doing that in the Academy. Same thing. Mark's in there in the gym, freaking working out, like doing these like leg lifts, fucking pull up things. And I'm like, who is this guy, dude? Shrugs. Doing the shrugs. Yeah. Just a hundred miles an hour, dude. All the fucking time. Like that was you in the Academy. So you're still like that. Yeah. And, and if we could segue just a second and and we can come back. Oh, we can always segue. All right. So, uh, so I had the pleasure, most of the time, the pleasure of supervising red here for a couple of years, uh, when he was on the team and, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, and I, I have a story that kind of sums red up. So, um, (laughs) and it's, you know, it's red because like SWAT guys can only do single syllables. And so I was foot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're working with one of our, uh, I think it was either a gang team or maybe, uh, the career criminal apprehension team, something like that. Anyway, they were tracking a bad dude, like a homicide guy, uh, need to need to be stopped, was armed, all this stuff. Right. So you're, you're typical, I'm not going back to prison kind of guy. Uh, so they call us for a takedown team and, and to serve the, uh, the warrant on the house. And so we're part of the takedown team. So we're sitting in a parking lot uh, of a little strip mall. Uh, and there's somebody sitting on point, like watching the house and they just want to see if the guy is there and, and then we're going to come in and snatch him and, and hit the house. And so, uh, red and I, and along with two or three other people are, are sitting in one of the SWAT vehicles, like all kitted up, you know, machine guns hanging, ready to go. Uh, and we've been sitting there for a while and there's like nothing going on. The point guy's just like, you know, yeah, nothing, nothing, <laughs> no nothing. movement. Yeah. So just as they come on the air and they say, uh, Hey, we got, uh, two males just come out of the house. One of them could be the target. They're approaching the car. Uh, looks like they're going to get in the car as this broadcast is going out. I hear the back door open <laughs> and I look in front of me and there's a car that was just pulled in. <laughs> And this guy, you know exactly where I'm going with this. This guy rolls down his window and dumps like this huge bag of McDonald's trash on the ground in the parking lot. And Red jumps out of the car and he's like, he's like marching to this car. I'm like, Red, get back in the car. I'm like, this dude is about to move. Like, what are you doing? And yeah, so he littered. He's like, Sarge, did you see that? And I go, yes, I saw it. Like. That's oh, not that's not funny. our biggest issue right now. And, <laughs> I do um, remember that. Yeah, so I was I was actually able to corral him, got back in the car, and we went and uh, went and hit the house. Could you imagine being the dude good. fucking throwing McDonald's out the window up. and like a, a van door opens and like <laughs> you're like what the yeah. That's uh, funny. I forgot, but yeah, that is. Pick it up. That like, very dude, accurate, this dude right? just threw stuff out the window. Like, not going to happen. We're sitting and, here. And that's what I loved about Red <laughs> and what made him hard to supervise sometimes is, um, like, it didn't it didn't matter the crime. Uh, like, that littering to Red was just as offensive as the homicide suspect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And so that, yeah, it was a uh, point guy appreciates it too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. He's in there forever. Right. And right. finally something's happening. Hey guys, he's on, he's on the move and uh, you're like, Oh, we're, sorry uh, guys. To get the team together. <laughs> so we're dealing with something else right now. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Uh, Moral yeah. of the story, Mark, you're, you're a squirrel dude. And your brain must, your brain is like operating a million miles an hour all just, just the time. Up. It is true. It is true. <laughs> but, but I will say that uh, between him and his partner, like, uh, I would come home at night and the wife would ask me like how the day went. And I go, man, like on, especially like on sitting weights where we're sitting in the van and just hanging out, waiting for something to move like that. Uh, I would get home. I'd be like, my face hurts because I've been laughing all day. Yeah. Like we had so much fun. So, uh, and red and <laughs> his partner cool. were a big part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Now that we just smashed on you a little bit, you did. Um, <laughs> that's a good story though. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry. Those Academy, I was just like thinking in my head, him and him just like, like all over the place. Uh, like, yeah. God damn. But anyways, um, so <laughs> what, what, like real quickly, like give yeah. what some advice maybe, uh, so that recruits don't go into the Academy because like I started at 20 years old. I, I didn't know what the fuck right. I was getting myself into. Right. And I, I, like, I'm not 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't, but whatever yeah, I did, I was, there, I was there <laughs> right. and the, uh, the RTOs gave me a lot of shit. In mm-hmm. fact, I've said it before on some other episodes, like a lot of people in our Academy class did just flat out didn't like me. They had no respect for me. They're like, you're a kid. You have no business yeah. being here. And I, I don't yeah, disagree with them. I, I don't disagree I, with them. And we yeah, see that with most nothing to do with your personality. And, and, but the point is, is like, whatever, like I was there and, and, you know, I had, I had to complete, complete the Academy, but, um, you know, Mark and I became friends in the Academy. He was like one of the guys that wasn't mean to me. Thanks. Mar- Thanks, Mark. Pretty cool. By the way, he's a cheerleader. You yeah. Know? He's <laughs> like, I'll be your buddy. Yeah. Red's nice but to I'm pretty sure he was nice to everybody. Probably. Yeah, was, but yeah. I do recall you, you just, you just thought he was your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned getting yelled at all these things. Yeah. Like, dude, I did not. I just didn't know what to expect. And I do recall like thinking like, man, fuck six months of this shit. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I I never thought about quitting, but it was just like, I don't know after a while, you know? So how do you like, you, you, you mentioned it, like you have to mentally prepare yourself for it, be in good physical condition, run. That's, that was one of the things that we had mentioned on other episodes is get your ass out there and start running. Right. Um, Yeah. How do you prepare yourself? Well, if you don't know. First and foremost, you uh, you talking physically, you run. Everything. Yeah, I mean, if if you're not in great physical shape now, just start by running. Don't yeah. worry about the weights. Don't worry about any other uh, the other type of works out workouts. Just start running and get that good cardio base. Um, but when you talk about mentally preparing, like that's something that you just got to find within yourself. Yeah. Um, Life experience. Say, yeah. Well, to say, I don't care what they throw at me. I don't care what they say to me. First of all, you don't take it personally because mm-hmm. you know, they're going to find something like no matter how squared away you are, yeah. they're going to find something yeah. and they're going to yell at you and you're going to have to do burpees and you're going to have to, you know, whatever it is. And so you have to put yourself in a place where you don't take that personally. You're like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just one of the fish in the pond and I got to figure out, you know, uh, figure out how to swim with the rest of them and not stand yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, there and you that, go. And, yeah. yeah and, and that was some of the biggest advice I got going in. Um, I had a, a mentor that, um, was kind of coaching me, uh, through, and I, I was still not prepared like I thought I was. But one of the things he said to me is like, your goal is to get like halfway through the academy and half of the rtos don't know who you are that's good good you know, they're like wait who who is this guy like we I have a life with the opposite yeah so <laughs> i took a lot of shit yeah yeah i mean as you guys can probably imagine yeah yeah 
But I also, I want to bring up that, um, if you know, like go with the physical fitness thing and use that for your mental health too. Like uh, yeah. when you're, when you're sitting there and you're running you're like, I'm dead, I'm tired. I can't go any further. Right. Just be like, well, I'm going to push it another half mile, another quarter mile, another right. mile, whatever it is and keep going. And then if you can do that, then, you know, it's just that not quit mentality that you have right. to have. And I think that's a very good point because one of the things we tell them is the physical training we do every day with them is as much mental as it is physical. Mm-hmm. Like your body will eventually adapt Yeah, and yeah. you'll eventually be able to do it. Yeah, like yeah. It, that's just a human body, but mentally it's, it's breaking through those walls and, and right. breaking, you know, breaking through those hurdles, like, like Randy running a hundred miles. Like yeah. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, how many, how many mental barriers do you have to break to do that? That's incredible. Like, a lot. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And so if you can have that mindset, that like, I'm just going to go a little further. I'm going to go a little faster mm-hmm. each time. Uh, that's, that's where you start. You got to yeah. start somewhere. Yeah. It's crazy how, think, how your how far your mind can, can oh, take you. I think Absolutely. definitely measure yourself when you're trying to get in like before, like if you're like, okay, that's I'm good point. doing, you know, eight minute miles or whatever, right. be like, okay, next time I have to do 750 or 755, right. whatever. And every time you got to beat your time, whatever it is, or, you know, I'm doing five miles. I need to do six miles next time. Right. And, and we do give them guidelines. Uh, so at orientation, uh, they get some guidelines, but you know, that's weeks before the Academy. So yeah, it's too, kind of that. too late. Right. right. Yeah. Right. But, but those general guidelines are, you should be able to run three miles at an eight minute mile of pace. And, yeah. and so if you can do that, uh, run an eight minute miles for three miles consecutively, yeah. that's a good starting point for, for coming into the Academy. Um, now it's, you're going to be running further and faster than that in the end. Oh yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a good base kind of where to gauge yourself. You guys know who my, who our Academy commander was when yeah. we were in the Academy. Yes. Commander Lomry. Yes. And obviously people have no idea who that is, but uh, that's what some people was? do. I, he was terrifying. The guy was terrifying you, yeah, to me. I worked my, with him on the SWAT team. Oh, just as crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so it's funny. I, I wouldn't say that on, on camera. He, he would, uh, <laughs> he scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who are, you know, if you can just imagine this big ass, burly, huge, big dude, SWAT guy, like he had won like what Superman trial, like he was yeah. like Superman trials and all these crazy SWAT events. Yeah. Like yeah. he's a big dude in yes. shape, very intimidating looking. <laughs> Like, looks like he just slapped the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, didn't care. It's funny because uh, he go he goes to my gym that I currently go to. And, uh, and I, so I still see him now. Uh, and, and we conversate with each other. But I still look at him in that role as, like, my academy commander. <laughs> Probably, like, a lot of recruits. That I think you always you. will. Like, yeah. whoever, yeah. whoever that. Like, that's who you are to these kids. Is and, right. and, like, uh, you know, your RTOs, you always, right. like, so at some point you might be a sergeant above your RTO. Yeah. It hap- it's happened plenty happens of times. Happens a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but it's still like, I think you always still have that yeah. respect. Yeah. You always look up to them no but matter as, what. But and, as a recruit, sorry, real quick, as a recruit, like you, you're like, these recruits are always going to see you in that role. Like, like 15 years from now, I, I look at him. I'm like, dude, commander Lomry, like they're yeah. going to look at you like that forever. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, it's not really something you think about in the moment, I guess, but um but yeah, I still remember my academy commander, and I always will. But um, yeah, I, I worked with Lomri on the SWAT team. He, uh, he we gotta get him in here. Oh, he would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna ask him. Yeah, no, he would be fantastic. Sounds what? like sounds like he, he's actually you. one of the nicest yeah. guys in the world. Dude, he's awesome. He's the nicest guy in the world. Scare the shit um, out of you. Oh yeah, yeah, but very intimidating. Very. Yeah, that was our commander. That's a, a lot of the a lot of SWAT guys are 
like that. I mean, I'm never did any SWAT thing. So, and you guys are all that, that SWAT thing, but <laughs> it seems like there's a, there's a few, there's always, it's like give or take, like yeah, there's yeah. always yeah. one or two and they're actually not once you get to know them. Yeah. Right. Like, they never are. But like right. when there's you, some, you them, there's some, there's that some, like, there's some that all right, it, you're a little full of yourself there, yeah. dude. Well, but, yeah. And that's oh, not yeah, intimidation. They're trying some. too hard, but like, there's some that the, the ones that actually earn that intimidate, like that earn that respect, that intimidation, I guess is what it is, are usually the nicest yeah. most humble people. So now moving into some cadets that fail out of the Academy, like what, what are you seeing nowadays that are causing some of these recruits to, uh, to not pass? Yeah. Fail? So, um, like I spoke to earlier, the, the standard hasn't changed. Uh, so the post standard is still what it, it has been for years, uh, which is whatever the test is, whether it's academic, whether it's firearms, whether it's arrest control, you get your initial test. Mm -hmm. If you fail that you get one retest and then if you fail that, you're done. Um, so another thing we've done to try to uh, hang on to a few of those people that we think can can do it is um, post gives you guidelines on what the remedial training should be. And like, you know, it should be about this long, whatever it should cover these topics. Um, guidelines, we, though. Right. Guidelines. Yeah. And so what we do is is we really try to first off, we try and get an RTO that they connect with a little bit more and not just a random uh, random RTO that they may or may not like. Uh, so if we can do that and you can't always, but sometimes you can that, oh, hey, you know, they've actually opened up a little bit to this RTO. They feel a little more comfortable with them. We have that RTO run the training and we, within reason, give them a lot of time um, to ask questions, to to know exactly why they failed the first test mm -hmm. um, before they go into the second test. And so we've seen fewer failures. People still do fail out. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's you know it's still a thing. But um, but again, if we can take just a little extra time to prepare them the right way and give them a solid chance at passing the second time, it's the same standard, but like you've got to, you got to actually suck it up and do it uh, yeah. the second time. So we, we see, I mean, it just depends on the Academy. A lot of times there's themes. Um, so we had, um, we had a rough time with academics a couple of academies ago. We had um, one Academy since I've been here. Um, we had a couple of people in EVOC that had issues. Um, so it, it, it's weird. It almost runs in themes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I personally think that it's almost infectious. Like somebody fails a test mm -hmm. and then the stress starts getting to them. They can't manage that stress and it stresses out the, the recruits that are close to them that hang out with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. they fail a test. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. it kind of snowballs. Um, so we talk a lot about mindset, um, especially when anybody in the platoon has failed uh, any kind of test. Um, we address it immediately with the whole class and we're like, Hey, we've talked over and over, and over again about mindset. We've talked over and over, and over again about managing stress. Mm -hmm. And this is a time to step up and do those things. Because if you don't manage the stress, if you just sit there the entire retraining thinking, man, if I fail the next test, I'm done. Like you're going to go fail the next test. Yeah. It, hmm. And so we really try to get ahead of that by, um, by just having real conversations with them and being like, Hey, you know how to manage stress. We have, you have given, uh, group projects to your platoon on how to manage stress because that's one thing we do. And, um, so we really bring them back to that base of, 
managing that stress, figuring out, okay, yeah, this is a stressful job. And sometimes I've got to put those emotions aside and get the job done. And so that's kind of how we try to approach it. Um, but ultimately like it's on them. Yeah, no, for sure. hundred percent. It's on you. Right. And it's in, so we, we talk a lot too about taking ownership of your training. And part of that is those open ranges, those open mat times, those open days that are volunteer Hmm. taking ownership of your training and saying, Hey, you know what? I don't feel 100% comfortable with this search or this whatever, and I'm going to come in and, and get a little uh, extra help, a little extra reps. I can ask some questions, um, you know, whatever the case may be, and, and that kind of helps them along the way. So 100% agree with you, and, and I'll, I want to talk about stress and ownership here in a second, but um, I have like absolutely no shame in saying this now, but 15 years later, but when I was in, in our academy, I failed, I think, four tests for Academic. the written academic tests, okay, yeah. the LD tests, whatever yeah, they're called yeah. or L- LDF tests. Right. I failed four of those things because truth, truthfully, like you I lived with it. Well, yeah, I was like 15, <laughs> but, um, Oh, sorry. That's not where you're going with that. No, <laughs> n- n- not at all. I, uh, I lived with a guy and you know, Mark knows him. We're, we're buddy. We're, I'm good friends with this guy. Great dude. Still a cop. And, uh, if, if you're listening to this, Russ, I love you, but, uh, lived with a guy, you know, probably didn't, you know, fresh out of the Marine Corps, gets hired a, a, into the Academy. I think to him, this was like, yeah, this is kind of a joke, right? After right. coming out of the Marine Corps, he went to war. Um, in right. fact, he was one of the first guys, his, his guys kicked off the war in Afghanistan. So, um, you know, probably didn't take it very serious. I lived with him and I definitely didn't put up, put a whole lot of effort into it. I had not a whole lot of studying going on, um, you know, hanging out, partying type thing. And so I failed four tests and I do recall thinking like, holy fuck, dude, like if I fail this test again, I'm out, like I'm done. And I had to go through that four different times. So I definitely don't recommend that to people, but (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I think you said it like you get what you put into it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's not that hard. Right. You guys are giving the recruits what, Hey guys, this is what the test is going to be on. We covered the material. You know what you're going to be tested on. It's not a surprise. (laughs) It's not, there is no surprise. Right. At least in our academy. It's a book that you're studying for the week for your test. Ah, dude, it's it's a a little packet. It's a chapter, right? It's a a chapter too. You're going to do the test a little bit differently now, but. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but nonetheless, like it's, you're going to get what you put into it. You know, some studying is, is going to help you. And, and like I, you've talked about it before, like, dude, when you're in the academy, you're going to have to put some friendships aside. You're going to have to put in the time, do studying at night when all your buddies are out going out to the bars on the weekends, like you're going to have to devote time to study for your academy uh, academic tests or your practical tests for scenarios and stuff. Because like you kind of just basically have to block off six months of your life and just boom, dedicate it to that. Um, You, you mentioned stress. I think something important to talk about is in the moment, I don't think you realize why the stress is being induced. Why are RTOs, you know, maybe yelling at you, getting in your face, they're stressing you out. Then they're asking you penal codes, you know, and if you don't right. know the penal code, okay, drop down and give me, you know, 30 burpees or whatever. Like I think in the moment recruits don't think about this and and I surely know I didn't, but you do this career long enough. It, it all makes sense. It's like you, you said it, like you have to be able to critically think under stress. Right. And this job is all about like, dude, nobody's going to be out there to hold your hand when, right. you know, a bad guy's trying to hurt or kill you. That That's not the time to try to figure it out. Um, in my opinion, it all started back in the Academy and inducing that stress. And, you know, even if it's something stupid, like, all right, give me a penal code of this, of this crime element or whatever, what's the code for it. That sounds dumb. 
there's a reason for it. Like there's a right. purpose and a reason behind that. And it's to make you successful later on down the road. Should you pass the Academy, you pass training, you're on your own as a cop. Right. That's why that shit is put in place. Yeah. And, and we talk about that a lot too, with the recruits that everything we do has a purpose. Yeah, like, for there's sure. Nothing at the Academy that we just go, eh, let's try this. Yeah, Let's just be assholes. <laughs> right. Like, right. no, it, that just doesn't happen. Everything is methodically thought out. Uh, we think about every little step and, and we also have to be in tune with each class uh, to where they're at and what they need at that time. And, and I will say like, my staff is amazing. Like um, they are super creative and they are, every one of them is super like in tune with where the recruits are at, how they're feeling, uh, what they need at the moment. And like a lot of times for me, honestly, they'll throw out an idea and they're like, Hey, because of this, this, and this, we need to hit them with X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. And, and they're fantastic at it. So um, I think that's why we've seen that attrition rate come down uh, is a good piece of that. Um, another piece of that is um, we have what's called a pre-academy and um, it started before I got there. Um, but the pre-academy is now four weeks of extra training that these recruits can go to, uh, just to prepare them for the Academy. So it's still, they're still getting yelled at. They're still getting smoke sessions. Um, all that's still happening, but the whole focus of it is how do you manage stress? How do you rely on your teammates? Uh, how do you, uh, make your brain function under stress where, you know, we, we literally see recruits come in the first week when they're trying to get into the duty office mm -hmm. and their brain is so fried from the stress. <laughs> they literally, oh, yeah. they literally, we get it where they literally cannot yeah. remember their name. Yeah. They yeah. can't remember their own last name. And so they get in there and they're like, recruit. And they just go. <laughs> and it's such a fascinating thing to me to see what stress does to the yeah. human brain. Crazy. But by the end, we're throwing everything at them and they're just, they're like, all right, what, what else you got? I'm, I'm just yeah. eating it up. I yeah. remember practicing that, like oh, yeah. the entering the, the yeah. watch office. Thing. Oh yeah. I remember practicing it. And Recruit on dick. Yeah. <laughs> Shit! Get, get out, Billy! You dumbass! Yeah, you're like, man, I, it's not that hard. I just, I wanted like, to, I, I wanted to, right now, easy. Yeah. I, I wanted to purposely mention that because I just want uh, folks out there that are listening. We have, we have a lot of you that ask us academy questions, and we brought in an, an academy commander who works at a large, busy agency, runs the academy. So this is for you, and I, that part to me is important because I want you to understand why they're doing, why it is that it is that they're doing that stuff. Okay. It's not to be assholes. It's because that stuff right there, that stress that they're inducing into you is later on going to transition into the streets when you're a full-time police officer doing it. Right. And not to mention not to, you know, put you up there too big, but you know, there's a reason that we said 21 agencies are, are right. in your academy. Yeah. It's, right. it's not like it's, it's the small, no. like, Hey, we'll just send them there. It's, it's a well-respected, totally. you know, they're coming from, you probably have recruits that are staying in hotels all over. I'm oh guessing. yeah. They, yeah we, you know, we have several agencies that house the recruits. Yeah, wow. they're, they're coming from far away yeah. and they do that for a reason. They're probably drove past three different academies yep. to get to, right. to your and, academy. And I think that speaks to the RTOs that yeah. are, are they're out there just busting their butts every single day. Uh, like literally every Every day, I, I can say without fail, every day I have at least one of the RTOs come to me and say, hey, 
I think we can improve this by doing this. And it, there's just creative idea after creative idea. And That's awesome. uh, it's just, it's just fine tuning uh, what was already a good program. Um, but the stuff I got now is just incredible. Like yeah. That's awesome. Second to none. All right. That's good. Talk about the Academy stuff, guys. We've given you some great pointers. You've heard it. You've heard it from the, the guy that runs the show's mouth. Um, how to help you be successful in the academy, how to prepare for the academy, um, and maybe some of the things you can work on during the academy so that maybe you don't, you know, fail some of these tests and stuff. But uh, let's be take a break. to fail the test too, just so you know. Like yeah. it's not, I mean. And it's all good. I'd say most, right. most recruits fail something. And, yes. And, and again, something we point out to right. them is, is I say, all the RTOs are standing up there and say, hey, every one of us, including me, failed something in the oh, academy. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. none of us got through clean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's very rare that people do. So expect to fail something mm-hmm. and plan on how you're going to come back from that failure. Yeah. yeah. How do you, yeah. How do you manage that failure? Right. So um, let's take a break. And then when we get back, I, we'll, let's get into your story. And uh-huh. uh, after that, we can wrap it up, but um, stay tuned. We'll be right back guys. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, good stuff about the Academy. Thanks for breaking that down. Hopefully if you guys have questions about Academy stuff, ask us, you know, obviously we do get quite a bit of them. I mean, we try to get back to everybody, but um, moving on from that. So we talked earlier about you were on the SWAT team. You were, um, you held the position of a sniper and let's talk about the incident where you ended up getting into a shooting where you actually had to take a, a hostage shot, which like, I don't know the stats, but I mean, from being in this career for a long time, like that's super rare, super rare right? It's like right. a unicorn. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just being not a sniper in who's in SWAT, who's taken a sniper shot is, is very, I don't know. You're the only one I've ever met. So yeah. 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 No, no, no yeah. doubt. So I want to get into that. Um, let's talk about like, first of all, what year was that? Uh, it's to December of 2012. Okay. Can you like from like the start of the day, like, let's just walk through your day and how, what led up to and what, what happened? Yeah. So, um, having a full-time team, we're lucky enough to, uh, we have take home cars and our equipment's in the cars and, and, uh, so we're ready to respond to whatever we need to respond to. Uh, and then there's a certain number of, of, uh, SWAT operators that are actually assigned on call. And so like you have to respond and then kind of the unwritten rule is if you're not out of town or drunk, you respond if you're not on <laughs> yeah. call as well. And it's, you know, it's something you want to do. That's yeah. why you sign up for the yeah, job. So no, it's, so you usually get just about everybody, but, um, that day started like, it was actually a really nice, uh, like sunny December day, uh, beautiful outside, uh, so I was just cruising around, uh, running some errands, uh, in the work car. I was on call, um, which actually made me a little bit closer to the scene, uh, which kind of helped out, but just running some errands. And, um, it was about, uh, I don't know, just after noon. Uh, I think it like, I think the first call came in at like 1203 or something. Uh, so just, just right about lunchtime, uh, I was actually thinking about what I was going to get for lunch while I was out <laughs> running errands and, um, um, and the phone went off. And so the, the way we get alerts is we just, um, we had a cell phone and you get, uh, the, the text of, uh, what the incident is and where to respond and who to contact and all that kind of stuff. And, 
Uh, so I see this come in and I read it and it says, uh, take over 211, which is a robbery, uh, take over robbery at Jack in the Box. And I was like, oh, well, that doesn't sound good. Um, especially if they're already doing a SWAT call out, like that's something. I, I was going to say, like, if you, that's generally something like patrol would go to, because right. usually people that rob places leave. Right. So if you're getting right. called out, that's like, well, that's weird. Yeah. So initially just reading it, I was like, huh. Uh, what's circumstances here? Cause that's kind of weird. Uh, so, um, I'd been on the team, uh, right about 10 years at that time. It was right actually before I left, uh, just, I was about to be promoted. I didn't know it yet, but, uh, later that month I was promoted. Um, and so I'd been there about 10 years and you kind of get a sense as soon as you read the, the text, when it comes in, you kind of get a sense of if this is going to be a bunch of crap or if this is like, Oh, this might be legit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's um, truth with like all, like a lot of calls. Oh, like, it like, is. I, I don't it know. Is. You guys use CAD system too right. or whatever. And right. You're really like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And yeah. more times, more right. times than not, you're right. Yeah. You know, and it's just like a, it's just like an, you know, a, an extra sense you get of, of doing it and having mm-hmm. the experience. And so I read this and I was like, Oh, this, like, this sounds legit. This doesn't, this doesn't sound good. So, uh, so I just text the wife, um, said, Hey, call out. It's going to be a bad one. Uh, she actually remembered exactly what I said. Um, uh, I said, uh, call out. It's going to be a bad one. I'll see you when I see you. And that was kind of, that was kind of our code for like the, the see you when I see you is like, don't call me. I'll call you. Like yeah, I'm going to be busy right. for a busy, while. Yeah. And, and she respected that and was fantastic about that. Um, and fantastic, honestly, about supporting the on-call for a total of like 17 years. But, um, yeah, so sent that text and turn the radio on and, and start responding to, uh, to the Jack in the box. And, uh, so I hear on the radios as we're going there, like, you know, the radio's busy and there's, um, there's a lot of people coming up and you can tell it's a chaotic scene already. Uh, we had a, several things going in our favor. One, um, your commander Lomery that you mentioned earlier was the sector sergeant now. And so to have a guy like him on scene that had many years in SWAT, um, priceless. Oh, absolutely. Just like money. Like I, you, you, you can't, uh, you couldn't choose one better, uh, to run that, that sector when this was happening. Uh, and then we also had a fantastic watch commander, um, had some canine experience back in the day, uh, was kind of tactically sound, but more than that was a watch commander that could actually make a decision, uh, which is the most important thing for a watch commander. Yeah, like yes. you might not always make the right decision, but please make a decision. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and he was fantastic. Like, like, um, very sharp guy, uh, very sound decisions. And so we had those two things going for us right off the bat. Um, so more and more info is coming in. Um, I really wasn't that far away, so it didn't take long to get there. Um, the way our team works is if you're the first SWAT guy on scene, you're, uh, deemed the SWAT officer in charge. And so you're the tactical lead. Um, even if you've got, you know, if you're just barely certified in SWAT, if you're the first guy there, like you have the tactical lead until somebody, a uh, higher commander relieves you. So there was uh, one of our SWAT guys already there that had quite a bit of experience. And, and so I got a hold of him on the radio and I was like, hey, you need me in assault gear or, or sniper gear? And he said, well, there's only a couple people here, so go assault gear because your first... Um, your first priority in a, in a hostage situation is to get that hostage rescue team set up and ready to move yeah. at a moment's notice. That's yep. like job number one before anything else happens. Uh, so 
uh, ended up putting uh, the full SWAT kit on um, and jumped into um, the the HRT team. And so a little background, um, suspect uh, came into the Jack in the Box, um, was just kind of acting strange, kind of walking around the business, not really um, trying to buy anything or whatever. So the employees are already kind of watching him. This is not not the best area of town. And they're, they're kind of like, ah, this guy's weird. Uh, just about then he walks into the dining area, uh, and pulls out a gun and grabs an 11 year old girl by the hair and puts a gun to her head and tells her and the dad to follow him to the counter. And so, uh, the dad and, and the girl get up and they walk to the counter and, um, as they get to the counter, he lets go of the girl and go, starts to go back behind the counter and, dad being a smart dad grabs his kid and and away they go and and they get out of there um so he walks into the back and grabs one of the employees uh of the -the jack-in-the-box and and he the whole time is kind of talking incoherently um they said throughout the incident he was smoking from a meth pipe um he obviously wasn't there for a robbery because the safe was open. They were like counting money in the back room as he came in and he never made an attempt to, to take it. Mm. Uh, was just, he stayed in there for whatever reason. So, uh, as part of this is going down, the manager hits the, uh, hits the robbery alarm button. And that's the, the first alert that the dispatch center gets that there's something going on. Well, then she also from her cell phone calls nine one one. And uh, as he makes his way into the back room where she is, um, he sees her on the phone, tells her, you know, hang up the phone. Well, her again, we, we had a lot of things going our way in this. She was smart enough to not hang up the phone. She just laid the phone down. And so we now dispatch had an open line into, uh, into the business and what That's was awesome. going on. It, it was fantastic. Um, I'm telling you with, with the, um, the, command structure that we had set up for this and with what ended up being a couple of really smart victims like we couldn't have picked it any better um and that's kind of how it played out um sometimes you get fortunate you know yeah sometimes you don't um so so she leaves the open line so they can hear uh what's going on inside and he's talking about um that if the cops can come in he's going to start shooting um all this stuff so uh, there's about, we think, three employees in there at the time. The, the rest of the restaurant is emptied by this point. Uh, they're all gone. Um, so there's about three employees, we think, uh, in the business at this time. Um, and everybody, uh, everybody from inside the restaurant has already taken off. And so we're setting up the, the hostage rescue team on the outside, and, and we're literally standing. There's a door on the east side um, that's going to be our entry point, and we're standing like five feet north of the door against a brick wall, and we're going over plans because um, that's, you know, as soon as you get enough people for a hostage rescue team, you start going over plans. We're like, hey, this is our breaching plan. Uh, you know, this is our entry plan. If they come out in a covered pile, which is like, hostage taker and hostage come out with a blanket or, or a coat or something over them. Hey, this is our plan for that. Um, we knocked out all those plans, got everyone on the same page um, as we were standing there talking. Um, so at that point, um, while we're still kind of setting up that, that hostage rescue team and making the plans, uh, one of the female employees uh, takes an opportunity and runs out the back door. And we find out uh, through the open line and later uh, talking to her that he actually leveled the gun at her and pulled the trigger, but it didn't go off for some reason. Uh, Just clicked. And so um, 
so now we have two inside, uh, one that escaped out the back door. Um, so more and more uh, personnel are arriving on scene. Uh, they're setting up the uh, their armored cars and everything, um, getting everything in position, um, getting the perimeter set. The perimeter was really difficult because this was in a large shopping area, and there's so many entrances and exits, and people are walking out of random stores not having any idea that this is going on right in front of them. And um, so that was really difficult. Um, we called on the county, and, and CHP even came out, and they were helping us with perimeter and, and everything else. And it's nice to have agencies that are really close. Yeah, to, we do. We to are looking at Yeah, sense. yeah, come give you a hand. So, um, so that's all happening. Um, the team leader uh, now arrives on scene. He gets a hold of me, and he says, hey, as soon as I can, I want to switch you out and get you in some sniper gear. I was like, all right, sounds good. Um, so my sniper partner uh, had already arrived and taken a position. Um, and so he was in a position where he was actually looking at the door that uh, the HRT team would enter, um, should it come to that. Um, and we're getting reactive authority out, you know, what we're going to do Real on shots fired. HRT. Oh, For sorry. Those who aren't. Sorry. Uh, hostage yeah. rescue team. Got HRT it. is a yeah. hostage rescue team. And reactive authority is kind of like rules of engagement in the military, just basically kind of your guidelines are what you're working within. Mm-hmm. So reactive authority was coming out on the radio. You know, this is how we're going to respond to different types of situations. The main, main one being if we hear shots fired, the, the HRT team is moving. Um, so all these plans are still being made. Like it's evolving really fast. Um, my sniper partner is up. He's given reports on what he can see, how far into the business he can see, stuff like that. Um, the armor gets set up. Um, about that time, we had enough personnel that somebody came and replaced me. And so I ran back to the car real quick, um, ditched the, the heavy vest and, and grabbed my sniper gear, sniper rifle, and, uh, and took off. So I went up originally uh, with my sniper partner, Ray, um, on the roof where we were looking at, at kind of the same side that the, uh, the Bearcat was looking at. And we realized at that point that um, it was pretty sufficiently covered from the ground and maybe we could find a, a better place where we might be a little more useful. So we started looking around and, and Ray was really heads up and, and across, the seat, uh, across the street saw a tire shop and there's, there's the tire shop uh, almost directly across the street and then there's like a huge parking lot that uh, was encased in Cyclone that had hundreds and hundreds of tires in it, um, stacked like 10 feet tall. And we're like, oh, that, that's a pretty good spot. Like, that's a good hyper, uh, sniper hide. Um, that's going to be good for us. So, so we made our way across there, took some bolt cutters, um, you know, got through the fence. Um, and honestly, after being a sniper for eight years, we made the most comfortable sniper hide I have ever had in my life. Like it was, I've seen pictures of it. Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. Uh, so we basically what we did is we stacked up, I don't know, three or four tires uh, in front of us to perch the guns on. We were about probably the width of this table apart, maybe three, three and a half feet apart. Um, we cut a big rectangle out of the fence because obviously we didn't want to uh, clip the fence with one of the rounds um, because, you know, the deflection, who knows where that's going to go. Yeah. So we cut a nice little rectangle out of the fence, gave us a, a good perch to move the gun around a little bit and, and be able to um, not shoot the fence. And then we stacked up tires uh, directly behind that to sit on. Uh, so <laughs> it was literally like I'm sitting at this table and it was just like, I mean, just 
And you're not elevated. You're not on the. You're not no, elevated. On the you're on the ground. On the ground. Right. Okay. And we're looking across a pretty busy street that's been blocked off at this point, uh, like four lane street, two two uh, lanes in each. Uh, direction with yeah. a suicide lane in the middle so pretty pretty big street um we're looking across that now into a different angle of of the jack-in-the-box and uh so we get in position uh, we we make this hide and there's tires behind us and we're wearing like a gray digi cam so it was like we saw pictures later and we're like oh like we know where we were but we couldn't even like you couldn't even see it it was it was a fantastic spot uh super comfortable could have stayed there all day uh so we get in position uh we're there for uh not very long at all and we say hey let's start reviewing some stuff so we went over the reactive authority with each other just make sure we're on the same page when we can take a shot when we can't take a shot uh then we started describing our fields of, of view to each other because even though we're only three feet apart like we know that um sorry i kind of skipped an important part so in the sniper world, an intermediate barrier uh, is something you have to shoot through to get to the target. So in this case, we knew unless he came outside with her, we're going to be shooting through glass. And uh, glass is typically pretty unpredictable, um, and especially commercial glass. And the bigger the pane is, the thicker the glass is, and you just can't predict where that round is going to deflect. So we knew we were going to have to take a simultaneous shot. And, and what you do for those situations, anytime you have an intermediate barrier, is you put two snipers on the same problem so that um, you fire as close as you can together. Um, and the theory behind that is one bullet will break the glass mm-hmm. and the other one goes straight through to the target. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the whole purpose behind that. So we knew immediately, we're like, this is going to be a simultaneous shot uh, or a sim shot. Um, so we started talking about that and we're like, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to have him, uh, pretty wide open. Like this isn't going to be the classic, like movie, like we see a half of a head yeah, and, right, right. and, no. and we're cranking around through a half a head. Yeah. Like it's, it's, right in front of him. Right. Like, yeah. You know, that three right. inches, you're like, I can take that shot. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and so, so we, we, we definitely were a little more realistic about it. And, and, you know, I hate to break any of the myths out there, but um, any good sniper in real life, if you have a body shot, you're going to take a body shot instead of a headshot because it's a bigger target and sure. it's going to drop them just as fast. So, um, so that's what you're trained to do is is if you have a center of mass shot, that 308 uh, going through a human body is devastating uh, to say the least, and it's just as effective as a headshot in most cases. So, so we talked about hey, we're going to have to have a pretty wide open shot. Like we we're going to have to see a good portion of him and we're hopefully going to get a center of mass shot instead of a headshot. So we talked about all those things. Um, and we talked about, um, you know, traditionally when you take a simultaneous shot, there's a countdown. Uh, and so you would do a countdown, the snipers would fire on a certain number, and then the HRT team would follow up with an assault on that location at, an, at the other number. So it might be like, you know, five, four, three, two, one. What it sounds like on the radio is I have control. I have control. Five, four, three. On three, the sniper shots go. Two, one, the entry team moves. That's how you, those things are coordinated. Um, so we talked about that we may not have that opportunity because we may not be able to see this guy for three to five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like that, we might not have a shot that long. So we started, we're like, we got to come up with, with a different plan. We've got to come up with something. So um, our standard operating procedure or, or SOP is that 
the the hostage rescue team knows if they hear sniper fire that they're moving like that is a, a sniper initiated assault right there's no if ands or buts about it there you if, go. The, if the snipers had a target and they've taken a shot the hrt team moves so we confirmed that but they already knew that um and we told them hey we may, we may not be able to give you a warning like th- the gunshots are might be the first thing you hear um so we're going over all these all these things trying to cover every contingency we can um and so we start describing our field of fire together because we need uh both of us to be able to see this target and take a shot at the same time and so i was on the right so i started describing hey on the left side of jack in the box i can see uh the soda vending machine i can see the first three uh spouts and you'd be like all right on my left i can't see the 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 soda machine at all uh what i see is there was a uh uh jack cardboard cutout and he goes my vision split right down the middle of Jack. Like I can see half of the cardboard cut out. And mm. so that gave me a very good visual of, oh, okay, I know exactly what he can see on his left and, and where now my new field of fire is because that's the only place I can take a shot is within that field of fire because we have to have a simultaneous shot. Did the same thing on the right side. It was a little bit easier because we could both see the exit door um, where the HRT team was uh, kind of standing by. Uh, so we confirmed those things um, and just really talked through it. And it was funny because the whole time, like even though things were really chaotic and the radio was going nuts and, and this is uh, potentially, a, you know, a, a pretty big situation, we were just talking very normally, uh, very calm, um, like didn't feel jacked at all, just kind of just very calmly talking through what we need to talk through. And, and I think that just came from years of training together. Uh, and knowing exactly what we need to cover and uh, what was important in the moment. Um, so we got in a position that we, we were very comfortable with. Um, so our view, we can, we're looking through the dining area of the Jack in the Box. Uh, to our left, uh, we can see the counter where you would go up and purchase, uh, purchase food. And then to the right of that, there's a hallway that goes down to the bathrooms. And yeah. we can clearly see at the, at the back of the hallway, there's a men's uh, bathroom door uh, with the female uh, just before it. Um, so we're, that's kind of our field of view. That's what we're looking at. So as this thing goes on, uh, one of the things they were worried about is they, the door that the HRT team was standing by, um, they couldn't see any um, barricades or anything on it, but we had intel that he had wired some doors shut. And so they were really wondering about that, like, you know, how are we going to get yeah, through this thing? Can they get in? Um, so they came up with a plan that I think would have worked, but luckily it didn't come to that. Um, so there were still two hostages inside at that point. Um, and at some point he broke free from one of them and just had, just had one of the females. The other female was um, kind of lost for a moment, apparently, and she took the opportunity. She actually asked on the open line, should she run? And they're like, yeah, if you have the opportunity, <laughs> like, yeah. run. So yes. she, Don't stay. Yeah. Don't walk. <laughs> yes. So she runs out the door that the HRT team is standing by, and oh. it, it freely opens. As she hits the push bar, it opens. She comes right out. And so that was a huge sigh of relief uh, for all of us, but especially the HRT team that, okay, that door is, is open and unlocked. Um, and that was their entry point. So she comes out. Uh, she's being debriefed by HNT, or sorry, hostage uh, negotiation team. 
they get a lot of good intel from her. Um, that was where some of the intel came from, that he'd been hitting a meth pipe uh, pretty much this whole time, that uh, he kept mentioning something about what they thought was a, a ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend or something. Um, and that in addition to the one, sh- the one failed attempt to shoot a hostage that we already knew about, he actually tried a second time with her, and the same thing happened. The gun just clicked. Um, and he had also put the gun in the mouth of one of the hostages and, and threatened them um, that if the cops came in, that he was going to shoot them. Uh, so we knew we were dealing with like a pretty bad dude yeah. at this point. Um, so uh, they're trying to negotiate at one point. They actually got a hold of him on the phone. Uh, he talked for a minute, um, but they, they weren't really making a lot of progress. Um, so then they hear through the open line that he's telling her he needs to go to the bathroom. Uh, and so that obviously kind of perked us up because we're looking at the bathroom. Yeah. And um, so we kind of hit up the team leader and we're like, hey, this might be an opportunity, um, just depending on what we got. So um, so I'll try and describe uh, the best of my abilities here um, where things were located because it becomes important in a minute. So um, they were still in the back room um, behind the counter where you would purchase food. They had to come out from behind that counter, hang a left, basically a U-turn left around the, the wall and head down the hallway to the bathroom. Well, as they hook that U-turn to the left, the entry door was right there for HRT and they could clearly see the armored car sitting there. Um, and so that comes into play in a minute. So uh, so he says several times something about having to go to the bathroom. Um, we're, we're basically just set up and, and waiting to see um, what opportunity presents itself. So they finally, after a few minutes, uh, do make their way out of the kitchen. Uh, they start to make that U-turn. And I think uh, so at this point, he's got the gun to her back. He, he's got one hand on her shoulder and they're within inches of each other. And they start to make that U-turn to the left and they kind of stop. And um, at this point, they're looking at the armored car. And I think it was a surprise to him that it was there. Um, And so they kind of pause for a second. And so let me go back to um, real quick the, I talked about we wouldn't have time probably for a countdown shot like traditional. So the plan we came up with was um, if one of us had a shot, we'd say, I've got them. If the other one said no shot, we don't take the shot because we have to have a simultaneous shot. Uh, if one of us says, I've got them, and the other echoes, I've got them, at the end of that verbiage, we take the shot. So this, uh, when they made that turn, um, because I was on the right side, had a better field of view to the left, I said, I've got them, and I hear Ray say, no shot. And I was like, oh, man, because they were at that point like arms distance apart and he's just staring at the bearcat like what do i do with this um at the armored car um so then he quickly kind of pulls her back in uh they finish their little u-turn and they're walking down the hall now she's in front of him so we can't take that shot because like if it goes through him through it through and through right through and through and then and then we've got a we got a problem with the hostage so so as painful as it was, we watched them walk into the bathroom. Um, so they go into the bathroom. They're in there for a few minutes. Um, team leaders kind of verifying some stuff, verifying our position. We're like, hey, we had great eyes on them. We just we didn't have a shot. Uh, so 
couple minutes later, uh, we see the bathroom door open. And when the door opens, directly in front of the door is a sink with a mirror over the sink. Mm -hmm. And I can see in the mirror, I can see, you know, through my scope in the mirror that he's now got the gun at the back of her again, and he's kind of prepping her to come out. So they come out of the bathroom, they walk down the hall, same thing. Now she's in front of him and he's right behind her, still got the gun to her back. Um, but when they get to the point where they have to make the, the now right-handed U-turn back into the kitchen, mm -hmm. I think just uh, probably her, the hostage, maybe either being really smart or um, just not wanting to surprise the guys she's now seen at the armored car that were pointing guns that direction, she gets to the end and she takes a big step to the left and puts her hands up like, hey, it's me, don't shoot kind of thing. Yeah. When she does that, he's now arm's distance from her and I've got a complete view of his entire body. I could see him head to toe. Uh, so I say, I've got him and I hear Ray say, I've got him and we both fire. Uh, so originally like, with a, a good simultaneous shot, it's hard to tell if two guns went off or one. And so I know I shot, my gun recoils, uh, comes back down on target. I'm looking through the scope again. And now where I did see him and her probably two feet apart, I don't see anything. Like I see broken glass. I don't see him. I don't see her. And I'm like, Ray, where's she at? He's like, I don't, I don't know. Where's she at? I said, I, I don't know. I go, did you shoot? And he goes, yeah, did you? I said, yeah. And just about then, we see her pop up. She had hit the deck. Uh, she Fuck. pops up and runs into the HRT team as they're coming in. Um, so she had actually, uh, where they were, she was behind um, the garbage. Uh, there's garbage uh, stands there, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, multiple garbage cans. So she was behind that, um, and he, our backdrop on him was the hallway, basically. Um, so HRT team goes in. Um, she actually runs into them, like physically just just face to face with them um that what ended up being the breacher actually grabs her and just kind of rolls out of the way just getting her out of the out of the uh chaos because who knows what's going on uh and they go in and and he's on the floor um with you know several 308s in them so um you don't survive that um so we did have a a decent deflection on one of them uh, so we both aim center of mass um one round and we'll never know which is which um, yeah. we kind of joke about it but uh, we will <laughs> never know which is which uh, one round deflected and it went down and hit him about belt buckle area and the other one hit him uh, basically in the heart so it was wow. just off center so both rounds ended up yeah. <clears throat> hitting him wow yeah. and then there were a couple of follow-up shots by the entry team as well because um, he's still moving around still had the gun in his hand at that point um, but i think you know it was it was i think he was yeah. pretty much done at that point yeah. but um so um you know it, it's funny uh you train for so many years and you put um so much effort into trying to perfect your craft and and um just being in that moment was funny because it was a very comfortable sniper hide but at the same point like i felt so 
mentally and physically locked in, I felt like a linebacker could have hit me and my sights wouldn't have moved, like my crossers wouldn't have moved at all. It, it felt so solid. Um, you immediately go back to your training. Um, you know, I felt like um, there was a, a lot of things we, we did exactly like we train, uh, and that's not by accident. That's just rep after rep after rep and knowing each other and, and knowing how to um, process that information and that there were also some learning points, um, definitely. Um, one of those learning points was, um, you know, after, so this wasn't, wasn't my first shooting, so I kind of knew the process. Um, and part of that process for our agency, at least, is um, homicide comes through and they, they videotape the, the area and they do a walkthrough and, and they do a limited statement from you of basically how many rounds you fire, what direction yeah. you're facing, all that kind of stuff, right? So having never been in a shooting with a sniper rifle with, with other guns, but not a sniper rifle. Um, I was like, man, it feels weird to like walk away from my sniper rifle. Like that's, we just don't do that. Like yeah. snipers don't do that, but they're like, Hey, everything's cool. Like we're good. Um, um, so they kind of usher us down to a different area. Um, and we found out later that somebody that wasn't as familiar with the guns, um, actually, uh, instead of just ejecting the mag and then clearing it, uh, they threw the bolt forward oh, and then ejected gosh. the mag. And so it went to the uh, county crime lab with a live round in the chamber. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So they were not too happy with that. And that no. was definitely a learning point for our team. Like we need to have an wow. SOP, yeah. like standard operating procedure of what do we do post incident? Like, cause that's not something you talk about a lot. Yeah. Damn. Um, and that so yeah, it could have been horrible and luckily it wasn't like it was bagged up. It was on safe. Um, and those kind of things, but, um, still like I wouldn't want to be that County no. No. crime lab tech that I'm opens sure it up and goes, bad. Holy crap. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. So yeah. that, not yeah. Happy. So that was, that was a big learning point and we had several others along the way, but, um, you know, overall, um, it, it was one of those days where it, some, some days you have those calls where you feel like everything kind of goes your way a little bit. And just with the, the sergeant we had on scene, the lieutenant we had making decisions, the, um, the, the victims that did outstanding jobs, um, you know, keeping the open line and, and everything else. Like we just had so many things go in our favor that day that um, uh, I think it turned out all right. Well, I think, you know, yeah. obviously that's, advanced law enforcement we i think we could all admit that that's not an everyday thing for, <laughs> right. yeah and, uh, and most officers will never be in a situation right. like that like 99.999 whatever yeah whatever it is but i mean there's a lot of lessons that everyone can take from that you know obviously mm -hmm. you guys had great communication right. throughout you know obviously with your you're shooting your sniper partner and then obviously with your team right. and then you guys trained off a lot together right probably more than most right. obviously that's what swat teams do but right. still training and knowing what you're you're uh, knowing what other people are doing is huge. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you don't want to guess what someone's doing in a situation like that. You want to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Right. And this is why I'm doing right. it. And, you know, knowing your, knowing your, knowing your policies and everything on it and the, you know, rules of engagement are right. huge because you don't want to, you don't want to question that. Right. So, um, yeah, lessons that everyone can take away from it, but obviously... <laughs> Hopefully they're not in that situation, <laughs> right? Which is right. a pretty extreme situation, right? Yeah, that is that's a crazy story. Like yeah. that's a wild first. I've I've first I've ever heard that story. That's a wild story. Yeah, um, that's that's crazy to me. Uh, yeah, like 
it, like he, like Billy just said, and, and you mentioned it too, like training and, you know, having your shit dialed in, ready to go like all the time because yeah. you, that, that one time might happen. Right. And, and like you he said, maybe it is coming. like, yeah, like taking a sniper shot like that on a hostage right. situation, like for, even for snipers, that's probably like a 1% chance that that's probably going to happen. Yeah. But like making sure your stuff is ready to go right. for that 1% chance. Right. Um, and then you talked about like the watch commander that's there the uh the sergeant that's in charge of that 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 district running the show and making sure like all of those things and doing all those things correctly is is why you guys probably had such a clean successful outcome right um along with all the things that happen inside the -the jack-in-the-box but i think being comfortable in your craft and especially if you're a supervisor and i mean we just had uh, Scott Savage and his guys on, and they talked about that being an incident commander. And, right. you know, you, you have to like relinquish, you know, power and onus to the guys that are handling that situation. I E like the SWAT team, like that's what you guys do that. Like it's your show at that point. Right. right. Like not, right. not second guessing what your plan is going to be. If that's the plan and, and that's your guys's craft and then that's the plan. And, and I think as a watch commander, like you have to back their play. Right. Right. Um, and luckily we had a watch commander that day that did and yeah. he was fantastic because how many times have you guys been on an incident I, I know surely that I have and I'm sure Billy I know you have is like those things don't happen and then things get stalled and the right. opportunities get right. missed and uh, absolutely it's just you know a, a kind of a snowball effect of like uh, for a disaster not a good outcome usually so um, I think all of that is plays a huge role in the successful outcome yeah of that. and like you said I'm sure it didn't go perfect but um one one of those little things could have been different and a completely different story. Change, oh, change the whole outcome of that yeah, whole absolutely. thing. Yeah. I mean, where you guys chose to even position yourselves, right. the whole situation yeah. could have been a different outcome. Right, right. Did you ever hear about the history of that suspect? What is so we found out later, just uh, through the the investigation, that um, it sounds like his estranged wife did work at a Jack in the box, just not that one. Mm. Um, and so I think just in his meth induced state, yeah. uh, he went there to probably find her and obviously wasn't able to find her cause she didn't work at that one. Um, wow. he had, uh, the, the gun was a working gun. It was the ammo that was bad. And so they, they found a bunch of ammo at his house and some of it actually fired and some of it didn't. And so again, just the odds in our favor that day, um, the two wow. times he pulled the trigger and it went click both times instead of bang, uh, you know, bad I mean, ammo. Oh yeah. That's bad crazy. ammo came down to bad God. ammo because I mean, you know, bad guys don't go down to the store and, and purchase ammo like, yeah. like the rest of us do. They, you know, it's changed hands 15 times before they get it and who knows where it's been and, and it, you know, who knows how old it is. And, and so luckily for those hostages, it was, it was bad ammo. Wow. That, that's incredible. That yeah. is a crazy, that's a good story. <laughs> It's a wild story. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. But, but that's, that's funny, but, but it's yeah. funny you guys say that because it's like, but it did happen. Right. And, yeah. and that's why right. like we all have, we all, we're all in law enforcement have to train for that moment. Right. And it, it's funny because I mean, we could go around the table and everyone's got crazy stories, right? Yeah. I, we tell our family stories all the time. They're like, what? Like that yeah. really happened. Right. And this is just one of them. And, and you don't really think think about it in the moment as as something like that but bringing Lomry back into this which i really do hope you have him on the show uh, he's fantastic <laughs> i gotta um, meet this guy now yeah so <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that a couple weeks after this i actually promoted oh and actually one final piece of the story 
So after we left our sniper rifles, went down, they put us in this parking lot with the rest of the team and we're kind of hanging out, waiting to get interviewed and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the chief shows up and, you know, we're a pretty big agency and you don't have day-to-day contact with the chief yeah. and chief is standing there in the parking lot and I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is good or bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey chief. And, uh, yeah. And so he comes over and he's, he's making small talk and stuff and, and say what you want about people at that level, uh, the chiefs, um, I gained a lot of respect for him because uh, after some chit-chat, he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, hell of a shot, great job. And to hear that from your chief, like 20 minutes after this goes down, I was like, oh, wow, that's probably a, that's probably a good thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah he's got my back on this one. Uh, so that was amazing. But um, so a couple of weeks later, I get promoted. And um, knowing that I'm going to get promoted, I... I uh, set myself up for some ride-alongs with some sergeants. And the first one I picked was Lomry because he was okay. a sergeant. Oh, yeah. really? He was a sergeant at that time. And so this had just gone down like two weeks earlier. And uh, so we're walking out to the car at the beginning of shift. And uh, he goes, he goes, hey, uh, I got to put my glasses on for this one. Lomry wears glasses. He's looking at me like this. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, hey, uh, so how's your new team look? And I go, honestly, like, I don't know any of them. They're all young. I've been in SWAT for 10 years. Like, I don't know who they are. They probably don't know who I am. So we'll see. And he stops and like pulls his glasses down and he's just eyeballing (laughs) me and he goes, really? I'm like, uh, what did I say? Yeah. He goes, really? And I'm like, like I'm lost. Like what's, why am I getting the dad look here? And he goes, uh, he goes, you were one of the snipers on one of the biggest calls in our, our department's history. You don't think they know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, well, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. And he goes, and then he stresses me out. He goes, uh, they know who you are and their expectations are very high. And I was like, oh no, like, I I'm going to totally fail at this. I like, could totally picture him saying that. Oh, it was, yeah. His total stone face, like cold, he like he's not yeah. joking. No, no, he was yeah, not joking. Not joking. <laughs> no. And, and so that really like, I don't know. I just never looked at it that way. I never, that never crossed my mind. Um, and it was just one of those weird times where one of those mentors in your career just like puts you in check and you're like, okay, copy that. Like, <laughs> that's a good little piece of advice. Like I, I do think uh, I'm, I'm, I am a firm believer that, you know, I, I think people, people know who you are, especially if you've done things at your agency, Pe- people know who you are. And like, you, you do have to kind of hold yourself to a higher standard. Your I think at that like point, five people. What's that? Your agency is like five people. Of course they know who Mine? you are. Mine? Yeah, a little bigger than that. But people know who you are, you know, and they, they do look up to you. Like you you are a mentor to a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I do think conducting yourself differently is, I, I expect that of people that, right. that have been in situations like that. Because here's the thing is like you have a level of experience that like, let's face it, most other cops don't have. And I don't know, like my expectation would be that like you pass that on to other people, right. you know, it's all, it's all on experience and with experience comes mistakes, right? right? Like Absolutely. that's, that's one of the downfalls of getting experience is the, like mistakes. So and with mistakes comes learning from them too. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so to me, it's like that, that shit's priceless to me. You know, I'd rather, I would rather uh, have a mentor that's been through it made mistakes. You're willing to say like, Hey, we did, we did make some mistakes on this, right. but, um, that's huge. And so for people like listening to this, if, if you have experience, uh, people probably do look up to you. You don't even probably know it. Uh, they do know who you are and the things that you have done in your career. 
um, maybe you, maybe you can look through a different lens and, right. you know, help, help people out. You know? And I got to say, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate in my career. I've had a lot of those people. Um, one of them was, uh, the other SWAT sergeant that I worked with for quite a while that, you know, uh, Mike, yeah. uh, fantastic guy. He was only a few years older than me, but probably my biggest mentor over, over my career. Uh, we were in SWAT together as officers and then uh, again, as sergeants and, um, just one of the wisest people I know, uh, and really set me straight on a few different occasions where, um, like, like <coughs> he had kind of a dad talk with me too, like sitting me down and like, Hey, like you need to, you need to look at some stuff and how you're doing some things as a team leader and coming from him, it was like, absolutely hundred percent. Like I'll, I'll look at it, um, because I respect him that much. Um, and I think just having those people in the course of your career to kind of point you in the right direction and give you a smack on the back of the head when you need it, like it's priceless. Yeah, priceless. Yeah. Mentor- mentorship is huge. Yeah, and I think I always say the best mentors are guys that or gals that don't even know their mentors. Right. Right. Um, but you, you were that one for me. You might probably never have known it, but <laughs> you were for sure. You were amazing to work for. Oh, thank the, you. Everything that you supported did. You'd never yelled at me, and if you did, it was probably because of my partner. <laughs> but just seriously, but just uh, so Mark just, never did anything wrong. Yeah, no, I always had good intentions. Oh, but absolutely! You amazing to work for. Such a nice, humble, genuine, sweet person. Thank you. We sit hours in the car at late at night working protests, and you were never <laughs> upset, never irritated, never wanted to rush. It was you were amazing, and I, I do remember this. And I won't tell the full story, but when I wrote that search warrant at a house for a person that had stole a pizza and I wrote a search warrant for a receipt and a pizza box. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and everybody uh, was like, on the team like, this is ridiculous. And Foot was like, talk to me about it. And I did, and he's like, all right, we'll do it. And I was like, yes, and it was awesome. It was viral, but <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I can see oh, Mark yeah. doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You wrote a search warrant? Yeah, for a house. For a house. For a pizza box? For Wait, first of all, it was stolen pizza. Yes. Yeah. So a misdemeanor crime, correct? Uh, right. It was a robbery. because Oh, it was a robbery. I was going to say, it had to have been a robbery. Oh, you can write it for a misdemeanor. Yeah. I know, you can. You yeah. can, but... Yeah, he took it out of the lady's hand aggressively. She was elderly. And, yeah. <laughs> and hey. you were looking for a pizza box and a receipt. And an orange soda bottle. I vividly remember that. that I, was, I, uh, can, I can, were, I can yeah. see him doing that. I, oh, yeah. I can see I, it. I, I wrote hundreds of search warrants. Not anywhere near <laughs> anything as cool as that, we'll just say. Uh, and it, it's funny because, uh, so I was, I was sitting around today, actually, with... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, how have I never heard this story? It doesn't come up. It just shows here. So here's another piece of the story. For a pizza box? Here, here's receipt. another piece of the story. So uh, I, would, I actually heard this story again today because I, I had uh, lunch with five or six uh, the old SWAT guys today, and, and a bunch of red stories came up, and this was one of them. And uh, they said, yeah, you remember how it all finally went down? Because everyone was giving them so much crap about writing a search warrant for pizza. And uh, right, so, so finally, we're, yeah. We're, yeah, so we're, we're at a training day in a garage. And Red's finally like, all right, everyone who's friends with me and is going to support me, stand on this side. And everyone else go to that side. And uh, yeah, so then everyone's like, all right, Red, let's do this. So. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. I would have stood on the other side. <laughs> yeah, people did. But you have a good supervisor that's like, okay, I'll bite my tongue. I get it. Like, we'll It was see. important to you. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I, I think what's important, especially for you, like, you're, uh, obviously, I didn't get, get to ever, I've never worked with you, but it's like, I, I truly think that in this career, 
I don't care like what rank you are. That, like that really doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Right. I always think like it's the legacy you leave behind and what right. impact you leave right. on on guys when you're out of the job anymore. You're you're no longer in the picture, but people still talk about you. They still replicate things that you taught them. And uh, to me, like that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it sounds like obviously you you've had that impact. I mean, and you're retiring here. You said potentially at the end of the year. So I, I think that's cool that you're retiring and yeah. you've played a huge impact at least, you know, in the SWAT community um, and, and just even in your department. Well, individuals um, too. Like, I mean, more, yeah, like, yeah. dude, that's right, fucking that's, priceless. Know, like, right. Not, not everybody right. can say that yeah. when they leave this career. Right. Um, I think the individuals are, are far more important than, I agree. You know, things yeah. like yeah. that. So dude, yeah. I think you should for sure be proud of that. That's, that's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's fucking huge to me. <laughs> I think this has been pretty good. Do you have any words of wisdom? Anything you want to share? Uh, yeah, I got a couple things actually. Um, do you think you're, you're like Randy? It? Do you think we could find this warrant return? I want to uh, read. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> would be fantastic. I want to read this warrant. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Even no. the judge was like, "What?" And I was like, oh, "Absolutely, yep. This is what happened." I mean, We're hey, I gotta give it to you. Like, We're it's there, it. right? But yes. you know, you know, evidence of the of a heinous crime but you've known red long enough that like when he gets his mindset on something yep. like that he's like it's like an infectious like energy where you're like you know what maybe this isn't a terrible idea like let's do this mark's yeah. like the mosquito well, buzzing around in your face you're like get you're like get get the fuck out you can't swat I mean, it away I mean, well, when you think about it it's a it's a robbery like it's a yeah. good crime yeah no that's uh, and it was evidence to that crime. I appreciate you, dude. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was good stuff. Yeah. The, the lady was in her <laughs> upper 60s. She's not delivering pizza because she wants to. She use, does it for a minimal income. Listen, like, look, hey, you, know? you don't have to, you don't have to. Yeah. We get it. Like, dude. We, <laughs> I totally get it. And, yeah. and no. I've, written, I've written some stupid warrants too. So, I mean. Red, Red was a blast to have on the team. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the, one of my favorite people I've supervised. So it was, it was a good time. <laughs> Give us your words. A lot of good stories. So. What do you so a couple of things. Uh, so one tactically and, and Red's probably heard me say this in debriefs. Um, kind of one of my pet peeves is um, don't confuse good luck with good tactics. Yeah. And I think I know at least our department and I've seen other departments, like if the outcome is okay in the end, we all walk away patting ourselves on the back and going, Hey, good job. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. When sometimes we just flat out got lucky and our tactics were terrible and our plan was terrible uh, or we didn't execute it well or, or whatever the case may be. And so that's something we tried to do as a team is get really real in debriefs and be like, we did we, did we just get lucky here or did we actually employ our training, um, come up with a solid plan, implement that plan in a way that, that made a successful outcome. And so, um, you know, just, I would say for those younger officers out there, just keep that in mind. Like, um, you'll walk away from some calls and, and think, wow, you know, that was a close call or whatever. And who glad I made it through that one. Um, mm-hmm. just put yourself in check and be like, Hey, did I get lucky or, or was that actually a good plan? They got me through that. Um, so that's that's one of the things. Uh, the other is I got kind of two things that, that roll into one, and, and that is uh, mental health in this, in this job is key. Uh, we see a lot of people toward the end of their careers that are struggling uh, because they came up in the era that I did where uh, it was a weakness if you ever asked for help or if you ever admitted that you had issues with, with anything. And um, I'll be the first to say, like, um, 
I was extremely skeptical on, on, um, you know, talking to somebody about stuff and, and seeking help. Um, but for those that, yeah, I don't care if you got six months on or if you got 30 years on, like if you're struggling with stuff, um, there's help out there, man. And, and there's a lot out there depending on your department. Um, and please just swallow your pride and, and go out there and, and get the help you need to be healthy in retirement. Um, and then that kind of rolls into the next thing. And, and I tell the recruits this all the time. Um, so at the Academy, every Thursday, uh, we have a couple of ceremonies we wrap up the week with because that's our Friday. And uh, so Thursday, they do a rose ceremony where they replace the rose uh, in a memorial we have there uh, in front of the fallen officers. And then we go out and we do a, a flag detail where we take the flag down for the week. And and that's my opportunity as the commander to kind of address the whole the whole class and um, I'm very honest with them. Uh, if they've had a crappy week, I tell them. Um, if they've had a great week, I tell them. Um, tell them where they need to improve and, and kind of where we're at and, and what they need to look forward to next week. Um, but every week I try to wrap it up with um, letting them know that at the end of the day, no matter how long you make it in this career, all you've got is your family at the end. Um, I've talked to so many people that have retired and they're like, man, I had so many friends in the department, and I talked to like three of them now. Mm. Um, we have a tendency of getting so wrapped up in this job yeah. that it becomes our identity. It becomes everything we are, and we forget about those that are supporting us. Um, so I tell them every week, like, go do something nice for your loved ones because they are sacrificing for you to be here, um, and that's just hugely important. And and. Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be married to the same amazing woman for 30 years, um, and the best decision I ever made. Um, she has supported me 100% through 24 years of this crazy career and 17 years of on-call and, and everything else, and never once complained, uh, just been 100% support, and um, not everybody's that lucky, I get it, um, but a lot of that is within our control and how we treat people um, and letting them know that, you know, we genuinely love them, we genuinely care. Um, so that's something I try and get across to the recruits is like, that's all you have at the end. Like yeah. this job yeah. is going to come and go as amazing as it is, as much as I love to come to work every single day, it's going to be over mm-hmm. at some point. And I've got to make sure that that family's still there to support me. So yeah. shit. Yeah. Well Amen said. to that. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, that's that's well said, and uh, I, usually we end the show on a cheers, but uh, let's let's do that. Thank you very yeah, much you. for coming on. Thank that you. was that was fantastic, man. Appreciate it, and cheers to you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, make sure you guys stay safe out there. Guys, have any questions? Hit us up. Hit us up on social media, um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. And we'll catch you guys on the next one later. See ya. See you. Is at the base of the stairs, white.